Good morning, church. It's uh, so good to be able to come to you this morning and to meet with you in your home where we're all able to do home church together. And I really do hope that you've been able to invite someone to your house and maybe have breakfast with them or even prepare to have lunch. Uh, we, we've come back together today to, um, to start week four of our series, uh, Help for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. And uh, over the past few weeks, we took a little break. And that little break was for the reasons of uh, Pentecost Sunday. And uh, last week, Pastor Rod was able to conclude his series that he'd been working on over three weeks in the last three months. But um, if you recall, we've had three weeks already in our series, Hope for Today. Uh, sorry, Help for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. And uh, let, me, let me go back a recap for the first three titles for you, my try and remember and jog your memory. So we've had number one, We, we Are Never Alone. Because of Jesus. Number two, we are never abandoned. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And number three, uh, that we are never powerless. We, we are able to walk in the power that God provides in his grace. Amen. And today we're going to start with week four in our series, Help for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. And its title is The Reality That We Are Always Secure. Um, thank God for his security. So as we get into this, let me, let me just by way of introduction read you this this morning. It says, In Christ we are always secure, for we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This gives us great confidence and great joy, even in the most troubling of times. Our eternal salvation is totally secure through Christ from beginning to end, when we will be glorified with him in heaven. You'd like to say amen with me, maybe type that into the chat. So we're, we're sort of uh, looking at this today, and, and I want to start by just coming up with a bit of a story. And Did you ever go on a roller coaster? And as I was preparing for this, I was reminded of, of roller coasters. And uh, you know what, hands up if you've loved going on roller coasters, or even if you still love going on roller coasters, and if you hate roller coasters or, or get a little bit intrepid, they maybe put a thumbs down there. And, uh, but for me, I, I, as a kid growing up, I loved going on roller coasters. And I remember this time when I was about 13 years old. I, I think that was the time. I was about 13 years old, and, and we used to go up to the Gold Coast with, with my family. And we went this time with uh, my dad's uh, brother and his family. And uh, I remember this time we went to SeaWorld together, and it was a rainy day, much, very cloudy, very rainy, and there weren't many people there. It was the middle of May, and it was quite cool. So... We, we sort of had SeaWorld to ourselves. And, uh, and on this rainy day, I remember going, they, they used to have this roller coaster there called the Corkscrew. And I went on this roller coaster, me and my brothers and, uh, and my cousins, and, and we're on this roller coaster and we're going up and down, up and down, doing all the things that you do on a roller coaster. But we went around 22 times around this roller coaster in one go. And uh, the, the, the operator of that was awesome. He was he was just, we'd, we'd cruise through the, the station and we'd give him a thumbs up and we were able to run, uh, keep going. The only time we stopped was if we asked him to stop so we can run either to the front or the back of the roller coaster or to let someone else on. And 20, 22 times, I loved that roller coaster. It was so smooth, the ups and downs, the twists and the bends that come with that. You know, but then I went to the Gold Coast in my early 20s when Thomas was young and we went to Movie World and I went on a roller coaster that day. And uh, the difference 10 or 12 years can make, I've got no idea. That day I was sick after that one ride and I remained sick the entire day, the entire evening. I think I had vertigo. 
Uh, so what happens is I no longer go on roller coasters. I watch all the other people go on roller coasters. And I get to watch what happens with them when they're in line. You know, you watch the, the white knuckles as, they, as they're anticipating what's happening. And, and some of them full of anxiety as they wait intrepidly for their go. Some people are being dragged on there. You can see their spouse, come on, come on, let's go. We don't want to go on this alone. Some of the kids just waiting full of anticipation. You know, this reminds me a little bit of faith. As you get off the roller coaster, sometimes you realize that you were a silly person, but then you look and you think, how safe I actually was. And you had that harness over the top and you have that sense of um, you've got faith in that harness that's going to keep you secure. You've got faith in the way that the roller coaster is connected by its wheels, the way they lock around the track. So you've got faith knowing that they're, gonna, they're being serviced properly and they're doing the right things by the end and it's not going to let go. And you've got faith you know, in the operator as, as he or she is, is pressing the buttons, the, the go and the stop and all that sort of stuff. You've got faith. But you see, life really is like a roller coaster. It has its twists and turns, it has its ups and downs and it has its loop-de-loops. I hope your life's not a bit loop-de-loopy at the moment. There are, there are ups, isn't there? When you think about life and you think about the roller coasters, there, there are always the ups, or in life we call them highs in life. I, I remember um, thinking of what were the highs in our life or in the lives of our children. What, what is the highs in yours? Was, was your first step a highlight in your life? Well, of course it was. Um, your first day of school, uh, whether that was a tearful event or, or a happy event, that was actually a high in your life. Uh, for me, actually, my last day of school was my high in life. Yeah, 13 years of, actually it, wasn't, it was 11 years for me, going to school. And that last day was, was a joy. Uh, your first kiss. Uh, your marriage, if you're married. Uh, the first child, if you're a parent. If you're old enough to have watched your parents go through school and graduate, surely that was a high in your life. So while there are highs in life... Um, what it really means is your ups are really full of anticipation, just like the feeling as you start the roller coaster. You know that feeling when you first get going and you cruise down the little, little part of the, the track and all of a sudden you click, you hear the big click and all of a sudden you start the incline, the click, 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 click. There's that anticipation, that sense of what's going to happen at the top of this roller coaster and then all of a sudden you're at the top of that peak. Oh, I'm getting shivers just thinking about that. But then life has many downs and we call them the lows in our life. Sometimes lows like um, bad news. Bad news from school, uh, as a parent maybe that your child, uh, a poor decision that your child has made. Bad news from the doctor in regards to your own health or the health of a loved one. Then there's the bad news of the loss of someone that you love dearly. Even the loss of a job, which maybe you're navigating today. Or even the loss of a relationship, the argument that never really gets sorted out. Life is full of low points. Um, maybe you're navigating a low point right now. With social isolation, um, maybe that's a low point for you, that you're feeling like you're locked in your house and... You can't do the things that you want to do. Thank God we're coming out of that. For others, 
You might be finding that being locked in your house in isolation is a blessing. Anyway, the, the downs, they're always littered with anxiety and insecurity, aren't they? The anxiety and insecurities that drives people to take drastic measures. You know, think about it. The anxiety and the, the, the insecurity of uh, taking that drastic step to take drugs for the first time. Uh, maybe hurting yourself or hurting others or even thinking the thoughts that come to make you think about taking your own life in a tragic way. Many of us have been through these lows. We've all experienced loss, bad prognosis, or know someone who has received a bad prognosis of going through drug, drug abuse, a cancer scare, and even thoughts of suicide. But while there are downs in life, we've got to remember that there are ups, and that it is what today is really all about. Jesus is truly our help for today and our hope for tomorrow. When we keep our eyes on him, the next twist comes with high anticipation. But when we take our eyes off him, we can't, we can't uh, bear to think about what the next bend or the next down has in store. The advantage for us as Christ followers is that we uh, know where our help comes from and that our strength is not found in in us but is found in him romans is one of these chapters that we are able to unpack and understand some of these truths and i want to read to you today specifically from three verses romans 8 28 29 and 30 and i'd like to just read verse 28 for you now from the new living translation it says and we know that the bible or sorry let me start that again it says and we know that god causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purposes for them. This verse is amazing. Yet when we think about it today, I find there's a lot of Christians that are misquoting this. And they might not necessarily be misquoting this in their own words, but their actions are leading us to understand that they're misquoting it in their life. Many, many would think or, or would believe that this is saying that nothing is going to go wrong for you ever. But that's not what Paul is writing and it's not what Jesus is doing in this thinking. It's, he's not saying that with Jesus, life is always going to be smooth sailing. He, he's not saying that when you come to Jesus, your life's going to be in this Christian bubble and everything's going to be safe and secure in the sense that everything's going to go right for you. But you're going to be safe and secure because you're in Jesus. Sadly, we don't live in a fantasy world like this. You're actually describing heaven, and we're not ready for heaven just yet. These words are often come from people or are shown by people because they've responded to a false or a watered-down gospel. The scripture does not say that nothing will go wrong for you. Here, let me read this scripture to you again. I'll slow down for you a little bit. It says, And we know... That God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. But what is it saying? It's saying that God will bring out of every circumstance, whether it's a high circumstance, a low circumstance, whether it's a stormy gale in your life, God will turn that because he intends to make every circumstance cause good for your life. 
The Bible's not saying that he brings the bad circumstances, but that he will use that circumstance to grow you and to help you hang on in secure understanding of the truth. So God's not bringing bad experiences. God is not failing to protect you. But he is turning every circumstance for your good. Why? Because you belong to him. And in the middle of these trials, in the middle of these downs and these lows in our life, in the storm, that's when we find out how good God really is through the difficult situations. In fact, while the storm was not sent by God, it shows one thing, that God prevails even over the storm. So who benefits from this? According to this passage, those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Those who are called are those whom the Holy Spirit convinces and enables to receive Christ, the the new birth. These people have a new mindset. The Bible says that we're new creations, a new perspective on life. Isn't that awesome? These people, they trust in God. They don't put their trust in life's treasures. They look to their security in heaven. They don't look to their security on earth. They learn to accept and not resent pain and persecution because God is undoubtedly with them. These are the ones like you and I who are full of hope which materializes into a faith no matter the storm or circumstance. The called, and hopefully we can say that as you and I, are able to say that God will work good into this situation and will begin to seek him in spite of what they perceive with their own natural eyes. And they can do this because they understand, we understand that God loves us. And because God is able to turn every situation, every trial, even trying times into something purposeful, he's able to take even the broken parts of people's lives and turn them into his good. How do we know this? People's testimonies. Your testimony is powerful. And and your testimony reveals that God has done something with your life which beforehand was in pieces and shattered like a broken earthen vessel. So I've got this question. How does God give me strength for today? Especially when all seems overwhelming. Like, think about it right now. In the ups and downs of life, in the middle of this pandemic that we've been walking through, we've been safe and secure here in Australia, but think about the rest of the world. Think about the empty shelves when you went shopping. The strange social distancing laws. You know, we can't even meet together in church. We can't even hug one another. We're slowly coming out of lockdown, but in the middle of coming out of lockdown, we see crazy protests that have turned into violence and riots all around the globe. Turn on your social media, look at Facebook, for example, as you read the negative social postings and messages that are put upon there. The utter extremism from one point or one side or the other, extreme left or extreme right, somewhere in the middle, you've got to try and make sense of what's going on. And this is stirring up hate and pain in so many people, and it might even be stirring up hate and pain even in you today. I had one conversation with a parent today at school. And 
And, you know, it was a beautiful conversation. But the conversation came out of racism because they've been subject of racism. And it saddens my heart to hear that. But I'm able to stand with that person and explain to them that they're accepted in God, accepted in Jesus. I heard Pastor Nathan Vetcher from Seton. He said this in relation to this topic. Incredible adversity stirs up incredible charity. That's what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. This should really be our position as the redeemed of God. We should be asking the questions, not what can I get out of this time, not what can I get to benefit me, but how can I be charitable? How can I show God's grace and love to others? Because they need the light of the gospel. They need the hope in their lives. So what do you do when life seems to be crashing down around you? Well, there are two little things that we can do. Firstly, I believe we need to pause and listen is the second one. Pause, take a time out. Take yourself off the Instagram, take yourself away from the news. Pause and put yourself in a position with God. Firstly, to listen to God. And secondly, to listen to others who have faced similar circumstances. We can learn so much from people who have been through the trials that we might be walking and navigating right now. The Bible itself is full of massive examples and great people that we can learn from. We could call them mentors to our life. Go back to the Old Testament, two people in the Old Testament that that could mentor your life through the trials and challenges of this world. Think of Joseph straight away. He's a classic example. The son of Jacob, um, he receives visions from God or dreams from God and and he's going to be a leader. And he's his jealous brothers, they sell him into slavery. He's taken down to Egypt where, where he's sold for a price, somehow working his way into favor. And then from that place, he's falsely accused, thrown in prison into the depths of the dungeons where God shows him favor again and brings him before the throne of the king. Ups and downs, just like his life is on the roller coaster that I'm explaining. As he finds favor with the king, he's able to move into his destiny because God uses all of those circumstances and turns them into his good for the good of the nation of Israel. In doing so, we see 70 people come down of his family. The nation is saved. And 430 years later, we see two and a half million people leave Egypt. It's amazing. The second one is Job, and, and Job's a classic. I don't know if you've ever read the, the book of Job, but it's the oldest book in the Bible. And the book of Job really opens up to us what it's like when you lose absolutely everything. Job did nothing wrong. Did God take everything off him? Absolutely not. Was God trying to teach him a lesson? By no means. But the enemy, Satan, tried to take everything off him and destroy him so that he would curse God and die. But in the midst of losing everything, he found a deeper relationship with God. And in that process, God restored him and restored everything that he lost. What a miracle of a story, the book of Job. And the third one comes from the New Testament. It's the Apostle Paul, the author of this very book of Romans that we're reading from. He had had suffering and had to endure, endure more than you or I ever think we could ever imagine what we'd have to go through. Think about the thorn in his flesh that he refers to. Many believe, and I believe as one of them, that this was a physical ailment in his life. 
which God could have easily healed him of, but didn't. But in the midst of having to walk out his life serving Jesus with a physical ailment, God might not have set him free from it, but he provided everything he needed to be able to function. He even gave him his own doctor. Do you know that? Dr. Luke. He's a physician. Paul's walking around with his physical ailment and he's got his own personal private doctor as he's doing the mission of God. I love that. Listen to how Paul explains it in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. This is what he writes. He writes, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times Paul asks God to set him free from this physical ailment. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. How good's that? Therefore, I will boast, listen to Paul, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness. How can someone say that unless they've encountered the the fullness of God's grace in their life? I I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. Church, can you say that? Because this is his reasoning. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the security that God offers us. God's grace is sufficient for all of us in all things. It reminds me of how perfect God is. And when Paul was at the bottom of the valley, I can tell you when God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, that would have picked him up. It would have lifted him up and the grace of God gave him strength to keep digging in and persevering and going on. It's his enabling presence to help us to overcome, not in our strength, but in his. And I would rather rely on God's strength any day than my own. It's not in my power. It's not in my strength. But it's in Christ's grace that rests upon us. And his name's the Holy Spirit. This promise not only gives us strength for today, but it helps us to answer this question. The question is, how does, God love, how does God's love keep me secure for tomorrow? This comes up because of the roller coaster. Think about the roller coaster that we'll re- I was referring to earlier. You are assured on the roller coaster that there will be another dip. And when you go around and around and around, like I did 22 times, I tell you what, there are a lot of dips in that roller coaster ride. The answer to all of this, we must ask, is what does our salvation really mean? For many, it is believed, and I need to correct this, that if life is good, then that's God. And if life is bad, then that's God punishing me. But we need to correct that because this is not what the Bible's saying and it's not what it reveals to us about God. But our actions reveal that this is what we think. This thinking is definitely not true. God is not like that and we must view him through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of our own circumstance. The book of Romans is a beautiful story, an unpacking of what this means for us, but Verse 1 and verse 39 are the bookend uh, verses to this chapter. And it begins in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
This is the first of our bookends. That, that's the reality that I stand before God, I am righteous, I am redeemed, I have no condemnation. And that I've got no condemnation means that I'm free and I'm at liberty to approach God and His grace. Whether I'm at the height of the mountain or I'm at the depth of the valley. This means that when I feel condemned, there may be some truth in that, but Jesus is able to deal with that condemnation and take it off of my life. Where's my heart in that issue? Well, ultimately, it should be open to God. And that is when salvation has its work in our life. The, the second book and the, the end of this is verse 39. And it concludes and it says, Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you hear that? There's nothing in this creation. No height, no depth. No, no top of the mountain, no valley experience, nothing else in all creation. That means no enemy, no devil, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. So while Jesus deals with our condemnation, he then secures us fully in his love. How amazing is that when you understand that it's your salvation that keeps you in this place of security? God's love for us is a constant. Salvation is not just a means by which uh, my life is, is lived. Salvation is the reality that God is able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 says it, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think, according to what? The power that worketh within us. That is his Holy Spirit. I am secure in God and he has given me his Holy Spirit to make me know that I am secured. The next two verses, Romans 8, 29 and 30. Listen carefully, church. It says, For God knew his people in advance. How great is that? God knew you in advance. And in spite of what you've done, in spite of where you come from, in spite of the lowest that you've ever been, it continues and it says, He chose them to become like his son. That's an amazing verse. So that his son, that's Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. So God knew you at your worst, and then he still chose you to become like his son, and then he called you to come to him. So that no matter the circumstances, we will know that God is good all the time. It's not on your goodness. It's not what you've done. You can't work your way into heaven. It's on God's choice and his favor that he knew you in the depths of your depth. And he's able to choose you in spite of that to show you how good he really is. And it continues. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That means... The other versions might say that he justified them. You are in right standing with God, just as if I'd never sinned. And having given them justification or having given them right standing, I love this, he gave them glory. Wow. That word glory, what it actually means here is uh, that God speaks well of us. How good's that? In the depth of your depravity, he chooses you, he raises you up. 
He conforms you to his son. He calls you by name, which gives you a purpose. He justifies you. And then lastly, he glorifies you. So God is not condemning you. He's justifying you. And he's saying, well, all things are good with you. He's speaking good of you. How good is God's salvation in the midst of all of this? That God has lifted me out of the valley above my circumstances. That he has not just put me on top of the hill for a ride that's going to take me down. But no, he's given me a new perspective so that I can know that God is good. All the time, no matter what's happening in my life. He took me from my lowest point. I can't get any lower than that. And he redeemed me and he called me his. Psalm 51, 10 to 12 says this. This is the power of God's salvation. I love this. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Oh God, thank you for that. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me in your generous spirit. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 8. He understands the fullness of of what salvation has brought into our life. That's what salvation does for us. Jesus creating in me a steadfast love that secures me for life. It secures you for life. The joy of knowing Jesus actually sustains us so that we can endure everything and anything that the roller coaster of life might throw our way. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians 4. He's referring that when you've come to a maturity, in Ephesians 4.14, he says, you will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness or deceitful schemes. Sounds like a roller coaster ride, doesn't it? It's maturity in our life. And in Philippians 2.13-16, he writes this, for it is God who works in you. I love that. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in this world, holding fast to the word of life. And that's the key, isn't it? When we understand our salvation, when we understand that we're secure in him, that helps us today, no matter what we're going through, and it gives us hope that there's another peak in our life coming around the corner. So ask yourself this now. Where does my security come from? Does your security come from your bank balance? Does your security come from your job? Does it come from your health? Where does your security come from? Are you actually looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith? Are you looking to him to provide you every grace that you need to overcome? Church, I know that I am. And I know many of you are today as well. We're just coming to our conclusion now. And, and today I've shared many memories with you. One memory in particular, that roller coaster ride. I was riding that, that, that roller coaster and, you know, it brings back so much joy to my life. Have you got memories? One way that I like to jog my memory is that uh, I like to look through my phone 
And uh, I like to look at the pictures and the videos that I've shot over the years. And as I do so, um, it brings back these memories really, really quickly. They remind us, when I look at the photos, they remind us of times both good and bad. We take photos of everything nowadays, and that's a good thing. But, but it reminds us that life is both good and bad. I remember my holidays. Uh, I look at the birth of my children, uh, milestones in their lives, their birthdays and all of those sorts of things. The pain and suffering, even that childbirth can bring. Now, I, I can go back to 2015. I've got all the photos there of Sarah going through all the trials that she went through. And, and sometimes that brings up the little bit of pain that was there at the time. Our photos, they bring us to this place of remembering. Regardless of the memory, regardless of the trials of life, regardless of the temptation that I've overcome, one thing remains, that God has been a constant in my life. He has remained faithful, even when I had no strength to be. He was strong, carrying me in and through my laughing and every one of my tears. He has graced me to carry the burden and care for those I love. How is he helping you? Maybe you're feeling some sense of anxiety today. Maybe there's even tension or stress in your life as you're navigating what's going on with your own work, your own family, and not seeing friends. Don't look to your circumstances, but we're to cling tight to Jesus, to cling tight to the truth that sets us free, which is simply have faith in God, in his goodness to help you overcome. The only one who will never leave you, the only one who secures you in his family by the very blood of his son, Jesus. Church, I want to pray with you today. And if you're logged on this morning, maybe for the first time, if you're watching this on Facebook or uh, YouTube and you want to know the, secure, the security that I have in Jesus, you want to know what I'm talking about, you can have that today by inviting Jesus into your life. If you're watching on our church online platform and, and you'd like to make a decision for Jesus, then right now there's going to be a, a link come up and on the chat and you can click on that and just raise your hand and say, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to give my life to him today. Church, I want to pray for you. Firstly, I want to open up this time in prayer and I just want to encourage you and just thank God for the things that he's done. But then if you want to give your life to Jesus... Let me tell you, God looks at your heart and he's able to speak to you across a video, across the internet, right into your room right now. And I'm just believing that the Holy Spirit is impacting your heart, even under my words right now. You see, Jesus has done amazing things. It was his death upon the cross that has set me free. He paid the price to cover my sin and to redeem me and to call me a son of God. He's done that for every person, but each and every one of us have to make a decision to believe that. So I'm asking you today, do you want to make that decision to say yes to Jesus and come into his family? If you do, in the middle of this prayer, I'll slow down and you can say these words after me and join with me and I'll celebrate with you as you do. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the help that you are for me 
and each person that's listening by your Holy Spirit, the grace that helps us to overcome today. Lord, that you give us hope for our future, hope for tomorrow, that I am completely and safe and secure in the knowledge of who I am and of who I belong to. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for accepting our church people. Lord, we thank you that you have helped us through the highs and lows. And in fact, you are able to help us to ride now in anticipation and expectation with our arms in the air on the journey, fully knowing that we are secure in you. That you're able even now to wipe away all the anxiety in people's lives. Take away all of the concerns as we remember that you are with us and that we are walking with a good Father who cares for us. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and grace today. And now if you want to invite Jesus into your life and accept his forgiveness in your life today and come into the family of God, just say these words with me. Father God, I come before you a humbled man. I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I believe that his blood is sufficient to cleanse me of all sin. Today I ask you to forgive me of the wrongs that I have committed. Take me out of the pit. Raise me up. Set my feet upon the rock that is Jesus. I accept your forgiveness today and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you that you call me your son. Jesus, come and live in my heart by your Holy Spirit. Teach me to walk in your ways. Thank you for the hope I have in you. And thank you for setting me free. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. If you said that prayer for the first time today, drop a comment in the chat and let us know. We'd love to be able to follow you up. But really, don't lose hope in this season. God is for you. He is with you. And you are completely secure in him. God bless you, church. And we'll see you next week. Amen. Spirit soaring
heart beating, my soul breathing. I found my life when I laid it down. Upward falling, spirit soaring. I touched the sky when my knees hit the Thank you for joining us for the live stream of Life Source Church this morning. We hope you were encouraged by everything that you've listened to. Make sure that if you clicked the raise a hand or you want to respond to the message this morning, to fill out the form or leave us a message on whatever platform you joined us this morning. Make sure you give us a like on Facebook, a follow on Instagram, a subscribe on YouTube, and have a really blessed week.